Welcome to episode 221 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, November 13th. And tonight, we're going to talk Brian Michael Bendis, one of the architects of Marvel comic books over the last 17 years, making the big move to their distinguished competition, DC Comics. And we're also going to dig into Disney handing Ryan Johnson the keys to the kingdom, giving him his own separate saga Star Wars trilogy. They must really love The Last Jedi. There hasn't been a lot of bad bad words coming out of the Disney camp about what's going on there. And they're like, we're so pleased. Here you fucking go. A whole galaxy. Go, go for it, champ. Before we break... All of that down. We're going to do housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. McSauce.com is the home base of all of the great art that we produce here. We have a podcast. We have a set of reviews that Paul goes through and picks carefully, curates the comic books, reads them, you know, forms an opinion, DC's, and then gives it to you people. DC's bi-weekly... I'm a big DC guy. I read a lot of DC. DC's bi-weekly schedule. It's it's hard writing reviews every other week about these same books. It's like not enough changing, not enough happening. It's hard, you know, finding a real good hook to write about. But I have written about Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight. I can't say enough glowing things about it. Um, there's a review up of issues one and two on the website. Go find those there and. Go to your local comic book shop and buy Batman White Knight. It is so fucking good. There you have it. A little short review right here. That's a taste of what you can find on mixsauce.com. You can follow us on all the socials. You can check us out on Instagram. We have videos on YouTube. And we also have a Facebook page. And on said Facebook page, we have an advertisement for... An event that I think all of you are going to be really excited for. We talked about it last week. McSauce Christmas Special Live, Friday, December 1st at 7 o'clock at the Fan Club Sports Bar, Airbreak Avenue, Wilmerding, Pennsylvania. Is this an all-ages show? Uh, it's at a bar, so I don't think so. So you're going to have to bring your IDs, folks. Okay, so no Shirley Temples. No. Well, I'm sure you'll be drinking Shirley Temples. Uh, only if it comes with a little sword and a cherry. <laughs> Otherwise, I might get a Coke. I plan on being stinking drunk by the time anyone shows up. Please that, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. This or, is going to be a podcast to remember. Live Christmas special under the table. We're going to be recording a live podcast. Hopefully we'll have some, inter- and some interactive segments. Maybe you guys can... Uh, you know, yell out some things, or we can talk to the audience. I think that will be a lot of fun. I think we're going to take some questions, some comments from the listeners. Absolutely. The main thing that we're trying to I do... I challenge one Jason Kumpfmiller to make the trek from Washington, Pennsylvania. He made a bold statement that, you know, he could heckle and throw us off our game. I say nay. He can't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> 
the main thing, the the real reason for the season, and the reason for us doing this live event is to uh, collect some toys for some less fortunate kids out there for the holiday season. Toys for Tots. We're going to have a Toys for Tots toy donation drop-off. You can also donate directly to us if you don't have time to come out and see us or you have other things scheduled we understand if you would just like to donate to the to our our toys for tots event you can go to the facebook page and there is a pinned post at the top of the facebook page if you click on the shop now button it'll take you to the uh, paypal section where you can put any donation of any, any type in there leave us a little message and just let us know that it is for Toys for Tots, and we will greatly appreciate. We're going to use that to buy toys, Ian. We're going to use that to buy, buy toys for so Tots. So any anything we talk about on this show, they probably make a toy for it. So that's our goal, right? We're going to buy basically toys for the stuff that we talk about. What did we talk about last week, Paul? Thor Ragnarok. Did they make Thor Ragnarok toys? You Ian? know what we talked yes. about last I week? I believe so. Science. Well, they make science, little uh, scientist experiment kits. They do. Uh, you know, those are those are in play. <laughs> right. And uh, actually, I think now we have to no, definitely no, buy have to get a science a kit. science kit. Yeah. And just give it to me so I know what science <laughs> yeah, is. It's gonna go to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's call back the last episode. Go back, listen to it. It'll make this experience a little richer. And uh, a couple last little little housekeeping things on the event um we are doing this uh we're, we're we'll be sponsored by spuds gourmet fries and the fan club sports bar and they're gonna have specials it looks like one dollar off spuds gourmet fries and three dollar fireball whiskey oh I'm, I'm excited about that or two dollar yingling bottles that night so Big thanks to the crew at Spuds and the fan club and our good friend Jeremy Canals for helping us out and putting this together and making things work out. So uh, shout out to, to the crew down there. Thanks, Jer, for helping me get drunk on the cheap. And I uh, hope to see all of you McSauce casters on December 1st at the fan club sports bar in Wilmerding. So let's get into a little comic book talk. This is some pretty huge news in the comic book industry. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has been a fixture at Marvel for 17 years. Uh, his Probably his, his biggest work has been Ultimate Spider-Man, but he's also shepherded the Avengers line. He's semi-responsible for... A lot of things happening in the Avengers the movies. Of, he created the character of Jessica Jones and the alias. And Miles um, Morales. Yeah. Uh, Miles Morales. Uh, they just really shepherding. He's, the, he's been a big champion of diversity over the years. Uh, really brought uh, Luke Cage back into prominence from probably the 70s. Changed his look. Made him a kind of a slick bald guy instead of a... Uh, Afro wearing, uh, Sporting. Yeah, yeah, the Luke Cage that all of you guys know and love from Netflix, that is a direct, um, yeah. you know, adaptation of the Bendis. Right. You know, Jessica Jones yeah. is a Bendis character. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he's every, he's had a hand in every Marvel property over the last 17 years. There he really are, is. Avengers, X Men. A handful of, 
what they call themselves the architects. And it's been a handful of different writers, but he's always been like the main That very unpretentious self title. Yeah, if you've ever paid attention at the end of uh the credits at a Marvel movie, you'll see uh, a handful of the, the creators, the comic book creators that get credited in the credits, and his name is always there. Brian Michael Bendis. Um, Paul, you mentioned you said it's it's big news in the comic industry. It's actually just big news in general. Bendis, his name was uh, trending last week, and it's the only comic book creator that's ever had their name trending on Twitter without them dying. Because there was no Twitter in 1993. Yeah, yeah, just saying. That, that is saying. that is true. But Twitter's existed since what two thousand and eight. There have been other things that have happened in between there and now. Well, in fairness, give me one other example of big comic book creator news that has happened since two thousand eight that didn't involve somebody somebody dying. Well, I I mean the uh, new fifty two came out, and you could have Jim Lee's name could be trending in there. Scott Snyder could have been trending somewhere in there. Okay. Um, I mean, this is definitely the biggest I, thing. I guess, uh, yeah, right. The New 52 is big, but that wasn't a specific creator right. that was kind of like making the headlines. Like, I meant like, um, you know, McSauce's own Todd McFarlane returns to comics to draw uh, the new Spider-Man series. Like, that would be a big deal. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, this is. I mean, this is the biggest thing that's happened. I mean, since Brian the Michael of Bendis to comic do, books do, proper. Are there creators bigger than Brian Michael Bendis? He, uh, like Mark Miller, maybe, but I would argue maybe. that Brian Michael Bendis is an even bigger creator within the comic I think book the world. O- I think the only, the only creator that could go maybe go toe to toe with him is Jeff Johns. But Jeff Johns doesn't have he doesn't have the bibliography that Bendis has, especially over Bendis is seventeen years at at Marvel. Bendis yep. has constantly been writing a monthly or bi monthly book at Marvel. Um Jeff Johns did huge nine year run on Green Lantern. Uh he did a stint on action comics. But he hasn't had the he hasn't had like Bendis is, uh, has been doing a billion things at yeah, Marvel. Bendis is wide he's range. Prolific. He, he's, he's been leaving. so prolific that you know Jeff Johns is probably the you know the biggest name you can pair him up against. But as far as you know, body of work, Bendis is he just clobbers anybody at this point. Bendis is leaving Marvel, and I think he was currently writing five books or something like that at Marvel. So. And and he's always had that kind of schedule where it's not only the big hitters like Avengers or you know, a big X-Men book or Spider-Man or something like that, but he's had other little things in there as well. Like the, I, he's currently, he was writing the defenders, I think. And, um, he always had pet yeah. projects like his stuff with Jessica Jones or iron fist. If anyone so was widow. Yeah. Black widow was what, a, another what book. network was powers on spider woman. A, a Powers was on the PlayStation Network. If anyone but, watched Powers on the PlayStation Network, that's a Brian Michael Bendis creation. More people probably read that book than saw that atrocity of a TV show. Did you watch it? Uh, a couple episodes, yeah. It was it was truly awful. It was 
Matt, you didn't like absolutely terrible. You didn't like the Hills Have Eyes remake, so I'm gonna take your opinion with a grain of salt. Um, you were oh boy, it we're, didn't. It sounds didn't, like we're taking the path. Uh, it didn't to trip, the left. It's a shortcut through the hills. Uh, you said it with didn't. That it didn't move you emotionally, and I find like I I, I think you're a sociopath. If I, that movie didn't move you emotionally. Paul, I was going to just use the exact same word. I think, yes, I am a sociopath. Uh, maybe not like to the to the greatest extent. Maybe like just on like weekdays or something. But um, I definitely was a little surprised at how little I was affected by it. Maybe because of the the kind of peculiar style that the movie seemed to have with that stop motion uh, like strobe light effect to the action that was very prevalent from uh, Saving Private Ryan 1998 all the way through like the mid 2000s. That was a 2006 joint. So it that kind of like crap existed the way uh, this is spoiler territory for you guys, by the way. But the way that they lit the father on fire and the like that pyre or whatever yeah, when he was so <clears throat> but the way up. like the the mutants like now and then the camera zooms like super fast to him and it and it looked so fake it it just like kind of like lost its its um did you just watch this realness recently? i did yeah i yeah. watched it over the weekend yeah and uh it's not that i i didn't like it i did um i mean i i actually liked a lot of things about it i thought it was pretty freaking cool that like the uh, the main survivor, the main guy, ended up being the guy who you think is going to be the first one to die. You know, I thought that that was actually pretty cool, and I, there were definitely things that I liked, but it it for me it kind of lacked. Um, it's going to be weird, but it seemed to lack tension. Like I I wasn't nervous or on the edge of my seat like at all you know maybe the moment when um the one daughter gets shot in the head at point blank range i was like oh i didn't think she was gonna die like that but i mean you knew like i don't know there were certain things that you knew were gonna happen and when they did you were just like checking them off your list right okay parents are gonna die okay because like you have this whole family at least half of them you know aren't gonna make it right that's just horror 101 paul but hey, this isn't McSauce-Tober. I don't want to go too far. Boy, did we fucking take it to the hills on that one. You so, started it. but <clears throat> Holy. Listen. Real quick. Okay. Smokes. I watched Krampus this weekend. <laughs> Speaking of uh, taking the road less traveled. Uh, I liked it. Didn't love it. I didn't see that. Is it a horror movie or a comedy? It's it a homedy. <clears throat> it's a homedy. It wants to have like a gremlins tone, but doesn't really stick the weight of the emotional beats. Okay. But uh, I I would I would recommend it. I think I have it. There's some I haven't seen it yet though. There's some there's some fun horror some really fun horror stuff in there. And also some kind of scary horror stuff in there. Uh but yeah, I uh I definitely recommend it. But when you're when your two male leads are David Keckner and Adam Scott, how serious are you really going to get? Good point. So let's get back to Bendis. Um, well, like I was saying about the Powers, Powers TV show, 
Uh, you're just gonna have to trust me on this one. It was really, really Matt, bad. I believe you. I had no desire to watch that. I had no desire to read the book. Uh, well, um, okay. As as an actual fan of that comic book, well, let me give you let me give you my Brian Michael Bendis um, kind of uh, trajectory here. I be I the first thing I ever read from Brian Michael Bendis was a little comic book from McFarlane Productions, Ian, called Sam and Twitch. He was the author on the spinoff comic book, Sam and Twitch, which spun out of uh, Spawn. The first ever Sam and Twitch? The first ever uh, miniseries, yeah. 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 Huh. Uh, he, this would have been in the late 90s, um, back when Sam and Twitch were kind of getting a little bit of uh, pop culture traction. And I was not all that into it. Now, granted, I was still kind of in my formative years. I was probably like 16, 17 years old, and I didn't love it. But I then, can't imagine how much of a punk you were when you were a 17-year-old. <laughs> when I was 17, uh, <laughs> when I was 17, if I didn't like something, my, <laughs> my review of it was either it was gay, stupid, or both. Uh, I, I was now that you're woke. I'm so much more articulate now. Yeah, now, was, now it's homosexual. Yeah, right. <laughs> so then uh, there was a new comic book called Powers that was coming out. It was in previews, and it had artwork that looked like it was ripped right out of Batman the Animated Series. But when you read the preview for it, it's like, oh my god, this is like kind of serious, and it's like this real crimey thing. It looks like Batman the Animated Series for a more adult audience with like, you know, cops that are uh, that are um, investigating crimes that deal with superheroes. And I was like, that's a pretty neat premise. And it was, it was fantastic. The dialogue was incredible. Um, it, his Brian Michael Bendis, style fits so well with banter back and forth. It was really good because you had, um, a, a policeman and his kind of like rookie partner. And it, it just was such a golden opportunity to create situations with this very realistic banter that he's known for. That's what I always liked about him way more. So the character interactions as opposed to like the, um, like the overarching plots. I, I've mm -hmm. never liked his big event plot lines or anything. I, I think his stories tend to be basically shitty uh, but who I've wrote, but I've uh, always liked the way his characters interact for the most part. Who wrote Secret Invasion? He did, I believe. I'm pretty sure that was him. He yeah, did that. He did House I, of M. I liked Secret Invasion. He did because he wrote. Not only did he write the main story, but he wrote all the spinoff parts that were in Secret Avengers and New Avengers and it seemed like a know, lot Teen of the Avengers times, or whatever the fuck they were having. A lot of his events seemed to go on forever. Uh, that's one thing... Well, he's a decompression guy. What does that mean? He just breaks down the score story, lets it take its time. You know, it's he, he's not going to wrap up a story in two issues. Well, yeah, kind of. Well, that was the cool thing about Powers, though, is that um, it was absolutely written as if, like, the, he was going to collect it and trade paperback. So each six issues would be basically, like... A, a case to solve mm -hmm. and um, 
it was really good. I the only reason why I stopped reading it was just because like you fall behind and it's like, oh my god, I can't get caught up. Now I still have uh several issues to read that I own, but um I probably read like the first fifty. Yeah. And it was excellent. Um, I think I read the first trade and it was all right. And I really yeah. like the um as you mentioned, the the visual style looks yeah. like uh, well, that's what drew me in, series. right? That's what mm-hmm. that's what hooks you in the first place. So Michael, Michael Avon Oming, yeah, yeah. Who, by the way, uh, if I may, I could tell you a story about both Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming. Um, Ian, which one would you like to hear first? Avon Avon Oming story, huh? They're two different stories. Two different stories. I met them both in two different. They're, they're not. Well, actually, which one's more uncomfortable? Uh, the Brian Michael Bendis. It, it wasn't. Neither one's all that great. But I in, in honor of his episode, let's go with the Brian Michael Bendis then. Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, when I met him, um, I met him right after uh, I read the first couple issues of Powers, and mm-hmm. I was like, I really like this comic book. So there he was at the Pittsburgh Comic Con in his booth, and he was standing there. I'll never forget it. He's standing there in a in an olive green T-shirt, very very long, like kind of down like midway to his thigh, and the T-shirt had a huge print, like full chest print of Snoopy on it. So that's who we're dealing with here, Brian Michael Bendis, right? And. I went up to him and I and I told him how much I enjoyed uh, Powers and I was like, "What else have you written? That's kind of like along those lines, real crimey and stuff." And he was like, "Well, I've got this book called Jinx," and I was like, oh, "Okay." And I looked at it, it had real crappy indie artwork, and I wasn't interested. And he's like, "And I did Sam and Twitch. If you like Powers, you'd probably really like Sam and Twitch." And I thought, "Should I tell him that I read it and I didn't like it?" Oh. So, so I so I did so Not I did forever honest. Uh, <laughs> so I did, uh, and, and uh, going back to that seventeen-year-old prick that I was hinting at. So I told him I was like, "Yeah, I, I didn't like it as much as Powers," and he's like, "Well, um, you know, you, that's probably the closest thing. So if you want it, give it a shot because um, you might you might really like it if you give it another try." And I did. Yeah. And, and it was a mini series, and I read it, and I did like it actually the second time around. So huh. I was still, uh, uh, I could still be influenced back then, unlike today. <laughs> no, you're a rock today. But as I was standing there, there was like nobody around, okay? Like he was nobody in the comic book world at this point. Um, he wasn't able to say, security. <laughs> right. Right. No, he was very, very engaging. Like he was standing like in front of his table, you know, like talking with people. He was really cool. And um, and he started telling this story about how Todd McFarlane, McSauce's own Todd McFarlane, um, used to basically feud with uh, another legendary comic book creator, John Byrne. And these guys kind of hated each other. This would have been back in the early days of Image Comics when Todd McFarlane went and blazed the trail with like five other hotshot artists of the day and created the greatest independent comic book company that the industry has ever seen. And uh, John Byrne, on the other hand, was kind of doing his own independent thing with the next men after 
all the success that he had at Marvel Comics for decades, right? The yeah, better part the of the seventies and eighties. Wolverine stuff, then went to DC, Man of Steel. Yeah, very oh, successful. Yeah, Man of Steel. Wow. Yeah, he basically rewrote the book on Superman back in the eighties. But anyway, um, they would they were at this, I guess, panel, and and John Byrne was trying to like speak, and McFarlane kept interjecting, and he'd be like, "Oh, what happened next, Johnny?" And it was. Uh, I knew I love McFarlane. He has the same like podcast chops that we do. Yeah, right. And he was jerkery. He was getting under. He was getting under Burns' skin so bad that John Byrne said, "I'm done. I'm not even going to do the panel anymore." And he told the promoters that he wouldn't even do a show that Todd McFarlane was also going to be at. Wow. Unless his font size on the promotional materials were bigger than McFarland's, like on wow. his name. Dick McDick. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know who's dickier. Like I I'm biased. It's I like that McFarland like, was busting his balls. It's right. like Clash of the Dicks. Oh. <laughs> like just tip to tip or like clashes no, like, like shaft on shaft. Shaft on shaft. Like lightsabers banging just, together. Just but you smashing know smashing shafts together. So just burst in uh, veins. Yeah, because like someone has internal. M- Brian Michael hemorrhaging. Bendis at that point basically worked for McFarlane. Like that was his boss, right? Because he worked for McFarlane Studios right, or Productions. So, how much longer does the story go? Well, that was it. Uh, I thought it was it was kind of that that was my. It was a Bendis story with a. It was bonus a Bendis story, yeah, and story. Then it, it went into and then, you know. A lot of stuff that doesn't pertain to what we're talking about tonight. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We've never gone off the trail and taken the the shortcut through the hills before. This, this is not Mr. a shortcut. Mr. You, fucking hey, straight shooter, Paul McGinty. Yeah, right. Like you're only allowed. Like it's okay when he wants to talk Krampus, but if anybody has anything else to say, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing, Brian hey, Michael Jack, Bendis off. or Bust? My Krampus aside was shorter than both. Of your sides tonight. How about well, how about this? Something. How about this? Why don't I get us back on? So track? is my white knight aside during housekeeping. Can, can we get short can and we, sweet baby cakes? Why don't hey, we get back on track here? Huh? I have I I have more of a Brian Michael Bendis style to the way I tell stories. Decompress. I decompress that shit. That's true. That is true though. You like to take your time, stretch out. I do, but hey, <laughs> they make for good stories. So how about this? Why don't we talk about? This little piece here. I guess I'll have to save my my, my Michael Avon Oming story for, for another, for another day. time. When we do the That's powers fine. breakdown, Let, well, let's talk about Brian Michael Bendis. This is we were just getting done talking about how this is big news. Why? Why do you guys think that he left Marvel Comics? He was such an intrinsic part of the the brand of the comics. He even did some t like. Was a consultant hey, on movies and TV. Why did he leave? In uh, very, very, very quickly, uh, before I answer that, the Michael Avon Oming story. Here's the, you know, uh, Brian, what was funny was the very next year, <laughs> Brian Michael, <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis was at the same convo convention, and this is after uh, Ultimate Spider-Man had come out, and his star and you were had like, exploded. Hey, I don't like this one either. <laughs> his star had exploded. There were like lines wrapped around the block for this guy. He was he was now a superstar. It was really kind of interesting to mm-hmm. see how he went from a humble appearance at a 
you know, Pittsburgh Comic Con to the very next year. He was the man at the he show. He was a schlub in a fucking oversized Snoopy t-shirt. <laughs> and then he was the bell of the ball. Anyway, I thought I just wanted to bring that up because it was an interesting dichotomy, Paul. I like it. Why why do you leave Marvel, guys? Why do you guys think he left? Matt, you seem to have a you seem to have an answer in the chamber for this one. Well, I would say that uh I okay, I think there's two possible reasons. One, I think he maybe felt like his stories were getting stagnant. And the reason why I say that is because they were. So there's that possibility. The other possibility is Marvel's not doing all that great. We've looked at the numbers before. Uh, we've heard what the fans are saying. And he is responsible for a shit ton of that direction. Um, especially like with the, the diversity push. I would say he is probably the biggest champion of that. Um, and sadly, it was at the expense of existing characters that we loved, right? But um, maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Maybe Disney or, you know, maybe Marvel was like, hey, look, we're going to like hand the keys over to maybe somebody else. Like, this isn't working for us. We have yeah. to make a change. You know, we're doing this legacy thing. And maybe they told him, like, you aren't the architect anymore. I don't know. Um, but he was the man, he was the man for a long time. And I think he was the man for too long because nobody liked the state of Marvel comics. You think, um, um, someone guided him to the door. I think it's either that or he did it himself because he was burned out or he just got more money thrown at him. But like, I think switching over to DC, is as a creative force, as a creator, is going to reinvigorate reinvigorate his his uh, passion and his creativity. I think working on the same characters for seventeen years can be a little tiresome, right? Like, how many stories can you tell? Because in my opinion, his better work was earlier on, yeah. and then after a while, it was almost like, okay, well, what can I say now? It's like he already had these great stories to tell, or you know, good stories to tell. And then um, was kind great. of out he, he had his ultimate Spider-Man run was legitimately great. It was a really great story. Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, although I would say what made that great wasn't exactly the story. It was the way the characters interacted with each other. You know, because but that's still him. You know what I mean? It is. And here's something that's really interesting: the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book was heavily influential on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film when that mm -hmm. came out. Um, you know, basically turning um, Mary Jane into Gwen Stacy and making that the you know the first real love of Peter's life just the way they did it in the movie it was it, it mirrored it um I remember when he got bit by the spider that was a little more dramatic in the comic book yeah but I, I uh, do remember that yeah but what yeah that was a great run his early work did have a knack for being trans being able to be translated to this you know the small screen or the silver screen as we mentioned about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, also the sort of like the version of Daredevil that we're getting nowadays, uh, the one in the TV series is pretty pretty close to it's it's sort of like a synthesis of the Frank Miller and then some of the traits that Bendis brought. 
to the uh, that whole like um, that whole storyline with him and Alex Maleev back in the early two thousands when he was he was doing like a Daredevil's um, identity was exposed for a while and mm-hmm. all all that stuff. I think that kind of bleeds over into the Netflix series um, with him leaving. I I don't know like. I kind of think it looks bad on Marvel to have somebody that was so so tied into the essence of being a Marvel guy and like kind of you, you think Brian Michael Bendis, you think Marvel Comics and you think of all the things that they're doing and all their characters and all the stories that he put out there and he he he's a Marvel dude and for him to leave and switch teams there's a gigantic vacuum now at Marvel there dude, was... somebody's going to have to step in to to write those stories to to he, to build that world now there was an online rumor rumor being the appropriate word that if legacy didn't put Marvel back to to its you know comic book top of the heap glory that Disney was going to have a house cleaning. Mm-hmm. And I I suspect, you know, Bendis was like, yeah, Legacy probably isn't going to get it done. So I'm going to get while well, the getting's good. Yeah, I mean, that that could be. Um, it, it probably, honestly, is a combination of all the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Dude, I don't. Right, I don't right think he was. I don't think he was forced years. out. I think it yeah. was. It was his decision. He's done everything he could do at Marvel. At this point, he's had his fingers in every character's pie. Yeah. He's done a little bit of everything. Let's let's. Uh, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much sexual <laughs> assault in the news. Let's not have yeah, Bendis fingering true. any of that's true. our characters' pie. Yeah, you know he's done everything. He's he's written every character. He's he's been on pretty much every book. He's done big events, little events. He's done everything he could at, at Marvel. I think he's just exhausted his his resume there. Mm-hmm. And coming over to DC, I think it's a I think it's a great move for both companies. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great move for him. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine. Said a woman gone hurt his pride. It's a Tom Petty reference. Sorry, I was. I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, he was immediately thumbs down on on Bendis going to DC because Bendis is Bendis, and Bendis is gonna just he's gonna bring DC down just like he brought Marvel down, and everyone's gonna have a quippy one liner, and you everyone's gonna sound the same. Bendis was also involved in bringing Marvel up from the depths of. Yeah, bankruptcy it's true. And, like the Marvel that was at its height is directly a result of Bendis. Well, a lot my of my <clears throat> my rebuttal was that while Brian Michael Bendis is is a comic book name that gets trending on social media after this kind of news, it's still a name that doesn't have quite the same cachet as it did. Uh, Marvel comic books are hurting right now. Right. They've been hurting for a while. So I don't think it's I don't think it would be out of the ordinary for him to come to DC and for DC editors to impose a little bit of their will on Bendis and be like, hey, Clark Kent doesn't talk like that. You know, Bruce Wayne doesn't make quippy breakfast club references. 
you know, I I think I don't think we're gonna get, you know, the freewheeling. Every character has the same voice. End of Marvel run Bendis. I don't know about that. I think that uh, DC editors, if you're a big enough name, will let you do whatever you want. Looking at you, Frank Miller. Like you don't pay. Frank Miller is a little different than Bendis. Is it only slightly? Is only it? slightly? Oh, no, I think than it's. Bendis. I think it's. A, I think it's. A lot different. Brian Michael Bendis has a, a much bigger resume at this point than. Are you talking Frank about Miller? quality of work? Is that Brian what you're Michael saying? Bendis doesn't have. Brian Michael Bendis doesn't have one comic book that comic book fans universally beat their meat to. Right, but he has things that have seeped into the pop pop culture so deeply that sometimes we don't even recognize that he was doesn't, the force behind. Yeah, it. he. But he doesn't have. He doesn't have. Dark Knight Returns, right? And maybe he doesn't. He doesn't. And maybe have we're those... past that point in comic book reading culture. May, yeah, for maybe. that to maybe exist. We are. Maybe maybe it's different. But so this might I, be the best parallel to that. But I do think DC is at a strong enough place right now with their books, with the their sales, the success that Rebirth has had. That they can. I'm not saying they're going to come in and you know beat Bendis down and make them do what they want. But I think. DC as a company right now is able to say, "Hey, let's let's back off, you know, the quippy dialogue." They're not because gonna, that's kind of his staple. I don't think it isn't. Do it that. isn't his staple because uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, like, there's a big difference from the quality Ultimate Spider-Man books that he wrote from when he started Guardians of the Galaxy when Tony joined the team. Right, because it was. 15 years later right his because right because by then it was the bendis show and then it was what bendis wants bendis gets it you Marvel. don't think that it's gonna be that way whenever he like i look at this as they just paid a free agent a lot of money for an exclusive deal and that free agent's gonna come in there and they're gonna do the things that they do i think it's gonna be a combination of two things i think dc is in a place of power with him and they're going to be able to exert some of their will. And the editors are going to be able to be editors. And I also think... If they're know, not busy filling up their staff... Uh, it's, a low, <laughs> it's a low blow, but that's that's legitimate. And I also think Bendis is going to come in with... Um, he's going to come in from a place of reverence. This is a new company. These are characters that he's never written before i don't think he's gonna i think he's gonna want to leave a good mark with these characters he's not gonna like i think he just got lax at marvel and that's why a lot of a lot of that quippy bullshit just fell into the books i I think he's gonna come in with a fresh a fresh perspective a fresh attitude and he's gonna defer to some of the DC editors, I I think that's probably and more I, I in think line it's now granted anybody like laying the smack down is, granted, exactly whatever book he gets on if it if it goes well you know editors are gonna loosen the leash he's gonna get more comfortable maybe we do get to the point where Clark's making Breakfast Club references but it'll probably take a very long time because to your point early, I think I, he might have yeah. just been a little burnt and a little too comfortable. And it's it's going to be a new new environment, new characters, new 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 universe, new rules. There's going to be a lot of things that he's going to have to conform to. It's not just going to be, mm-hmm. you know, plug himself in and you know, 
let the Bendis machine loose. I think I really want some classic Brian Michael Bendis because I think he is a good storyteller. I think he's a good character guy. He's really able to tell characters from a good a good place of who they are mm-hmm. before he lets himself get too involved. So, um, on that note, what books do you think that he'll be offered, or what books would you like to see him? I would write? imagine this has already been determined, right? I think the- he has the. I I don't know if it's already been determined, but oh, I, I think he has like uh, he has he has the pick of whatever he right. wants. When he'll he, give him when like, they, he could change his mind today, and they'll probably pr- yeah alter probably. Their but when he signed that deal, it was under the pretense like okay, I'm going to be writing Batman or right. writing Superman. Okay. Um. What? But if if it's up to us, he's good at what we say. He's good at uh, he's good at crime. He's good at crime. He's good at dialogue. I feel like Detective Comics would be a very appropriate book because right, let's face it, right now Detective Comics is stupid. I don't know what kind of crazy Bat Family well, nonsense. Detec- yeah, Detectives essentially the Bat Family book. Yeah, right? with Clayface is one of the good guys. For the love of God, please no. That's pretty dumb. Can we just have it like be Batman solving crimes and be more about the detective end of isn't like that, what he isn't does? Isn't that what it should be? Like Batman is the the Bruce Wayne book and Detective is the detective book where it's it's the smart book. Right. It's the like science book. It's very much the like science book. And I feel like You wanna write fucking Clayface as a good guy and stupid Jason Todd? Go write outsiders. That fucking nonsense. If you like Jason Todd, you're an asshole. Yeah, I feel like it could be Batman and Robin, you know, the real Robin, not this uh, Damien imposter, but have Tim Drake and Batman with like banter back and forth. Not even banter, maybe it's not the right word, but good dialogue between these two characters, which I feel like Brian Michael Bendis is totally the guy to do it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say, based on his Powers run, the only thing that I really didn't like about Powers because I think it's a a really nice analog to like what I think they could do with detective comics. I didn't like the payoff in powers all the time. When you finally got to that sixth issue of the arc, the final issue of the story, the payoff always seemed weak. It fell flat. It didn't live up to the previous five issues. And that was always a little bit of a disappointment, but, um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, detective, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're if you're pulling on his uh, experience like on Ultimate Spider-Man, what would be a good teenage uh, type book? See now, do we enjoy Bendis writing teens anymore after all new, all different X-Men when they brought the '60s X-Men back and the way that they wrote the way that I didn't you read wrote it. that book? You didn't read it. I didn't read it. it. But was it? that was it? that a combination of weird? time travel goofy x-men story and lax later day marvel bendis it 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 could be do do we want to have faith in bendis that he can write teenagers again and and give him teen titans he was he was he was writing spider-man all the way up until today yeah and uh his his miles morales was always good right so he can yeah he can still do that that's still definitely i think one of his strengths 
So do we think a, a team book like Teen Titans would be? Maybe. That's a little more of an ensemble, but like, what about a Blue Beetle or something? You, I mean, you have the teenager, uh, the young character, um, the the minority character. That, I think, would actually be a pretty good fit for that somebody like fit. Bendis. I heard, because um, Bendis does have a funny streak in him. Um, there, that Snoopy shirt, good lord. Right? You know he's funny. Um, there was talk today about Justice League International or something like that and teaming him up with, uh, is it uh, Kevin Maguire that's on that? Or is that right? Is Kevin Maguire drawing a book right now? I, or he's still I a don't DC. Think there's a, I don't think there is a Justice League International book right now. No, but you could maybe do something in the vein of the old 80s, or early 90s Justice League. Um, stuff yeah. and maybe have something like that. That's a good idea. I've been thinking a lot about like the kind of, you know, the, the stuff, like the highlights of Bendis's career are, you know, powers and Jessica Jones, some Spider-Man down and dirty detective stuff, ultimate Spider-Man. I some, always like teen his, drama stuff. I liked his run on Moon Knight, which goes into, um, it's it's crime, the things that we like about crime, but it also had a lot of interaction with the versions of Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Cap that were in Moon Knight's head, which kind of made it an ensemble cast. I know a lot of people didn't like that, but I really like that version. Yeah, of so like, uh, as like as far as what Bendis should be writing, like I've been thinking, Teen Titans, Detective Comics. I think maybe dust off the question. I was going to say that, too. Put him on a question book. Um, maybe put him on Nightwing. I always get want a little, them to do the question. <laughs> may, you know, you give him, give him Nightwing. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of the youthful swagger. You also get, you know, the detective, you know, down and gritty side of things. But I really like that Justice League International pool. Because um, then, you know, you get the flex. Bendis gets the flexes. His comedy muscles as well. Yeah, well, he... I, sorry, go ahead, Ian. Uh, I was just going to say, and I see uh, sort of a theme from what we're kind of talking about, with the exception of the Batman and Robin idea, which even still is not... A, we're staying away from, like, main titles, like the regular Justice League, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. We're kind of doing sort of these side characters or little different things, and I think that that would be a better place for Bendis to find a niche in the DC universe. It's funny, because you know that first book they announced is going to be Justice it's, League. It's going to be fucking Superman. <laughs> oh, my, no. Don't fucking do it. Because Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason are writing the best Superman book. Superman hasn't been this good since early 2000s when um, uh, Carlos Pacheco was on art, and I think Greg Rucka was the writer. I think this so. This is, yeah. this Superman book is so motherfucking good. Put him on good. action. Oh, yeah, he can, oh, do you want to take your buddy Dan Jurgens off action? I haven't been reading it. Dan Jurgens is a little, He's he's been just dragging stuff out. I'd be okay with Bendis. Just throw him on action. Yeah. Let's do action. Matt, you were, you were going to say there? Uh, I don't remember what I was going to say, but I did think that, why don't we, why don't we, pick the, the books that we'd like to see him on, then we'll move on to our second topic of the evening. Yeah. Um, I, two books. You get two books. Pick two. Um, I really liked your pull with the question, uh, Paul. 
So I'll, I'll I'm gonna steal it and go question and uh, Justice League International, Matt. Uh, well, I'm gonna go with Detective. I think that's kind of the no-brainer um, to me. That seems like it's the obvious choice. And then um, I've, as much as I like the character Superman, I've never really loved any particular run that I've ever read. I mean, maybe maybe one particular storyline here or there, but like not like this one creator that, that kind of like defines the character, maybe outside of Dan Jurgens, but even that I think is heavily influenced by um, nostalgia. But I would like to see him tackle icons like Superman with his incredibly strong ensemble cast uh everybody from lois lane to um perry white and and all like the regular characters and and give us more of like that maybe slice of life type of thing with you know the most powerful superhero in the world i think that there could be something there that bendis could tap into that maybe some other creators haven't been able to do I'm going to steal one of the Ian's and use one of my own. I think Justice League International and the question are two are two great picks to slowly introduce Bendis into the DC universe. I think it's a way a way for like you know DC as far as rebirth has been concerned over the last couple of years. It's been about the DC brand. It's been about everything DC has to offer. So what better way to open up the universe and say, look at all these characters, all this diversity, than to give Brian Michael Bendis Justice League International in the question. Two books that are two different skill sets, two different groups of characters that are going to, just by his name alone, going to open up readers to... A, the the breadth of what DC has to offer. However, I think they're just going to give him Justice League because it's Bendis and they're going to give him the biggest book available. <laughs> well, he he was the Avengers guy for a decade or even more than a decade. And he did I great think. stuff. Disassembled. Was the, that that Ultron stuff with Frank Cho, super sexy, juicy. Remember his <laughs> Ultron? That's true. Mm. Yeah, he was a... Uh, uh, the ev- person behind Avengers Disassemble and the new Avengers. The new like, Avengers Breakout. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's some of my favorite Avengers stuff. That was when it's they really, really pushed Luke yeah. Cage, brought Spider Man onto the team. Wolverine was an Avenger. Wolverine. Yep. It was, it was. It was very similar to the way that uh, Grant Morrison brought together all the heavy hitters of the DC Universe back in his late to mid 90s. Justice League or JLA run, it was a similar thing that Bendis did, and I thought to, you know, similar success. So, um, do we want to move on to our second topic tonight? Yeah. Yeah. So, the powers it, the powers that be at Disney. Not Brian Michael Bendis. Not Brian powers. Michael Bendis. Uh, you know, Disney is, a, you know, they've seen. Ryan Johnson's work on The Last Jedi, I'm sure they've seen early, early screenings of the movie, and they've determined this is the guy to launch a brand new non-Star Wars story, 
non-saga Star Wars Not trilogy. Skywalker. For those out there that might not know what we're talking about, won't have any Skywalkers in it. Won't have any Generosos in it. This is going to be brand new, brand new Star Wars trilogy. Um, not a reboot, not a remake. Completely new, completely new characters, new plot. Ryan Johnson trilogy. Remember what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings? Three movies, boom, boom, boom. Ryan Johnson, here you go. You get to write and direct three Star Wars trilogy movies. Actually, I think it's it go. said that he was going to kick it off. I don't know if he's doing all three. Really? Yeah. It's not what I heard. Well, I don't know who you're talking to, but they were telling you the wrong thing. Oh, well, I mean... That's the end of the podcast then. If he's not if he's not tasked tasked with three full fucking movies, then so what? He's gonna oh, shut so it down, gonna, turn the mics off. He's gonna start a new Star Wars trilogy. Well then who cares then? This takes all the fucking juice out of this topic topic for me. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm serious, it does. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? He's just gonna start one? Don't, all right, whatever. Like don't we could be start angry. A new one. Don't be could, angry. Could we start another Yeah, we fucking could. We're, we're like not that good. We fucking man. could. Um, Could you imagine if they, if one day they told us, yeah, you, we really like what you're doing, new Star Wars, go for it. I think my heart would stop. I what really endeared me to Ryan Johnson was I I saw a I'm not gonna waste time and look it up, so I'm gonna paraphrase it. I saw a tweet from him right after they announced that he's gonna be doing a new Star Wars trilogy. The Christian Post may has be, it listed as be, develop, to develop a new Star Wars trilogy. He may just be writing the trilogy, but that's all. Um, he said some. He said something like, uh, something like, "I wish that of, they maybe should have announced this, or if if I thought there was pressure going into Last Jedi, but now like." I forget what it was. I hope people really, like The Last Jedi. Oh my, yeah, but yeah, now I really, really hope they like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's a bit it of the... Says he he will develop the trio of films. I don't know if that means that he's going to be the director or what. Well, here's he, the actual press release. Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Johnson will create a brand new Star Wars trilogy, the first of which he is also set to write and direct with longtime collaborator Ram Bergman on board to produce. As writer-director of The Last Jedi, Johnson uh, conceived and realized a powerful film in which Lucasfilm and Disney are immensely proud in shepherding this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga. Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. So what does that say to you? What does that mean to you? Because I heard something that I think is a little different than what you're going to say. I think that it's certainly clear that he's writing and directing the first one. Right, right. Um, when, because it says the first of which he is also set to write and direct. If they're going to specifically talk about the first of which, that leads me to believe at, as of right now, he's only doing the first one. And then somebody's going to pick up the baton and run with it in the second and third, much like how he came in and ran with, J.J. Abrams, what he did after 
the Force Awakens. The way I hear it is that he's going to be involved in this trilogy in some form or fashion, possibly as a some kind of producer or writer on the second and third. Possibly, it's but, not clear. It, it's but it's, yeah, they only have clarity on the first one at the roles that he'll play, but it still sounds like he's involved in it in a heavy degree because they wouldn't go out of their way to say this is a trilogy which he is involved in. Like they they mentioned that he's going to be involved in the trilogy. He right? said, no, they say he's going to create a brand new Star Wars trilogy. But then in the very right. next part of that sentence, the first of which he is also set to write and direct. Also so set to write and right. direct. So my assumption is like he's potentially going to be the George Lucas of this new trilogy where he might write and direct the first one. And then I don't know. um, Irvin Kirshner's grandson is going to come in and direct the second one based on his overall story. Jebediah Kirshner. (laughs) No, he's younger. So he's got a a younger name, more like Chet Kirshner, (laughs) Madison Kirshner. Who's a boy, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't know, man. It So, well, is that a bad thing? Like, Is what if, a bad thing? Is it a bad thing if he is the George Lucas of this new trilogy? I George mean... George Lucas was heavily involved in, if I'm not incorrect, in the first three Star Wars films. You are correct. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so. He... I guess it's okay. I mean, I. it's by all accounts... The Last Jedi is going to be very good. Everyone, like Disney obviously thinks this movie is going to be the best Star Wars movie yet. I I hope that that's the case, but like the timing is a little bit curious because it's like the movie's only a month away. Why don't we just gauge fan reaction to it and then totally green light this? What if it stinks? What if it stinks and then we have another trilogy by this no. guy? Ian, don't be silly. But uh, have I'm you just saying we don't know. If we I may, if I may, well, you according have, to Matt, we're only going to get one movie by this guy. I feel like me and Matt hashed it out a little bit as you were uh, being indisposed. So is he going to direct all three? He's going to write all three no, and no, direct no. one. Well, we don't know. We think that he's going to be involved in some form or fashion. Matt said. He thinks he might be the George, like a George Lucas character for these three films. He's playing the role of George Lucas. So, which, which means Sorry, that Ryan Johnson, which means that he Ryan isn't necessarily going to be the director on all of them, and also isn't necessarily going to be the writer, but he's going to be heavily involved. Specifically, the writer director of the first one, and then right, he's probably going to uh, to be determined it, for two and three. It, Sounds for sure like he's going to plot the course of this trilogy, but he's also going to write and direct the first movie. And my assumption is that if The Last Jedi is as successful as Disney seems to think it's going to be, he will write and direct probably all three of these. But um, but I don't know. I I guess it's a good thing, Ian. Um it seems like they're supremely confident with him now. However, yeah. if the last Jedi ends up being kind of crappy, Disney is not averse to pulling the plug and firing directors before they even get a chance to direct anything at all. So I think if it turns out that this movie kind of st- like last Jedi stinks, yeah, 
they'll they'll just replace them or they'll scrap the whole thing. Yeah, Disney's like the NFL. They it's no guaranteed contracts. No, yeah, no guaranteed contracts. We fucking cut you. Get out of here. Uh so when I first read this, my immediate reaction was like this feels like it should be a bigger deal than it feels like it is to me. Uh The Ryan Johnson news? Yeah. Why? Because when I first read it, I was like, wow, a whole new Star Wars trilogy. That sounds like a really big deal. And um, it just didn't feel like it was, though. So... Like, okay, when when they announced uh, Disney was going to buy Star Wars and create a brand new trilogy... Big deal. ...that's going to continue the story with Episode Seven. Huge deal. I remember where I was when I heard that. Enormous right. deal. It was... Enormous deal. Listen. We got the best deal. The biggest deal. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if that didn't happen because that was the inspiration when Paul and I were talking about it at work. Our conversation from there Holy led shit, to... was it that long ago? Yeah. And, it's, and it Jesus spun out Christ, of there I and I was like, soon. why don't we do a podcast? We could talk about this kind of stuff. And then we did that. So it was huge. It was majorly it was influential. Huge. It was so exciting. But then I read this and it's like, okay, a brand new Star Wars trilogy. But how exciting is Star Wars if you don't have any of the characters that we love or any of the locations? Or, I mean, are they going to try to capture lightning twice in a bottle with like a whole new set of characters or a whole new... Like, what is this going to turn into sci-fi and kind of lose the fantasy elements? I don't think that would be the case, but like, it makes it so incredibly vague that it's so open-ended as opposed to making Episode Seven, where it's like, oh my god, the sequel to Return of the Jedi. That was way more definitive, so it was easier to like kind of wrap your head around. Like, did we what's know at that happen? time? I forget. Did we know at that time that it was definitely going to be Episode Seven? We did. did. We did. But the- I remember debating with Paul if they should recast our heroes, if it should take place the year after Return of the Jedi, or if it should be thirty years later. And I remember Paul wanted the, them to recast. He wanted Han Solo to be Ryan Gosling, right? No, I wanted Ryan Gosling to be Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, okay, my mistake. Um, uh, and apparently, I guess Sebastian Stan should have been Luke Skywalker because him and Mark Hamill have an uncanny, youthful resemblance. Yeah. We'll yeah. Have, have you guys not seen they... that no. shit online with like the side by sides of them? No. Yeah, that's really fucking goofy. They look way more alike than you'd think. Um, Matt, I'm kind of surprised that. You're like, oh, this isn't this isn't big news because it is. I, it is. I'm surprised by the way that I feel about it. I'm not surprised by the way that you feel about it because well, that makes this one of is, us. This is exactly what happens when you flood the market with too much of a good thing. Well, that's just it. I mean, obviously they are oversaturating Star Wars, and oh, we knew this was going to happen. Star Wars movie every year, and I'm pretty sure I don't remember what episode it is but the second this announcement was made i was negative and you were like no this is great i love star wars you can't get enough star wars star wars is great and i was the bad guy for too much star wars but now we're at the point where it is too much star wars where a new trilogy is announced and you don't really know how to feel about it 
Paul, you're revising history. I have always said that we will get to the point of oversaturation. It was inevitable. We're there. It's it's now. I don't think we're there because I'm still massively excited for The Last Jedi. But not about this supposedly huge Ryan Johnson news. No. So we're there. We, we've made it. You're not excited anymore. No, 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 no. I'm not excited about the announcement. Like, look, once we start getting some real information about this thing, they might be able to um, to actually like get some real tangible excitement for what they're showing or like once they say okay it's going to be another like hero's journey type of thing but it's going to be on this other planet it's like five hundred thousand years before you know the first star wars movie so there's like no connection to it and we start seeing things from it like it that can actually like get us excited again and i'm very excited to see how this particular trilogy plays out the, the current one right seven eight and nine I'm just, I, I'm not a huge fan of the spinoff movies. I felt like that was kind of unnecessary. Although, hey, I I like it, at least for now. You know, I'm like going to go to all these movies on opening night. But but don't say like, oh, no, no, there can never be too much Star Wars. Because we all said they're going to hit that, that point where it, it gets oversaturated. Uh, I would not say that they're there now. But this... They might be there by the time the first one of these movies rolls out. Who knows? Maybe it'll be incredible. Maybe we will love The Last Jedi so much that we just will say episode nine who and be excited about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Give us the Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't know. Like... Episode eight is going to have to be pretty fucking good. All accounts are that it is. And Disney seems to think you'll feel that it is. You, you know, know what else like, Disney thought that we'd like to? Thor Ragnarok. They were real confident. And guess who didn't like it? You guys. Yeah. You too, motherfucker. I gave it a seven, asshole. Yeah, you beat the shit out of it, and you're like, oh, you're no, like, I kind of like it, actually. Let me fucking hedge my bets and not get beat up on social hey, media. <laughs> hey, it was I thought it was really funny. I listened to that. I listened to that episode today, and, you know, I, I, was, I was pretty right down the road with that seven, the entire episode. What the fuck are you talking seven about? Seven isn't right down the road. You know what's right down the road on a five. one to a ten five. scale? Do you know what's in the middle of one to five. ten? Five. That's right down the road. Who gave I, it a five? I Ian? meant Ian did. Ian I did. meant right down the road is in my my opinion didn't waver. Like I was way high on the comedy and Thor as a comedy, but it really let me down on some emotional beats. So I like I understand the original trilogy is that's in and of itself, that's an entirely different beast. It's from my childhood. There's a sentimentality involved with the original trilogy that isn't going to be matched by anything ever in my life. Nothing is going to be as special to me as the original trilogy. Because of the the time I watched it, my, my formative years. But there have been a lot of Star Wars things that I've really liked since then. Um, 
I just can't think of any. No, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to give examples right <laughs> okay, now. Okay, sorry. Trying to, I'm trying to think of the way to say this. Uh, but I I don't I don't know if my zeal for Star Wars is as great as it is for other things at this point. Um, you know, I, I really like Rebels. I really liked things from Rogue One. I really liked things from uh, The Force Awakens. But as a whole, like, I don't know if, you know, present day Star Wars is my genre du jour. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, uh, I'm getting, uh, my emotional needs are being filled by other genre pro- genre properties at, at, the, at the time being. Right, and like overall, Thor, Thor movies. My comedy, my comedy genre du jour, certainly. But yeah, like I don't, like I don't know, like Star Wars as a whole at this point, like. I, I like it a lot, but you know, like if I had to if I had to watch The Force Awakens or um the last Star Trek movie right now, I'd probably pick the last Star Trek movie. It was just more fun and more more enjoyable. It didn't encroach on things that I hold near and dear to my heart. And, you know, maybe Ryan Johnson can bring a brand new vision, a completely cut off from any kind of sentimentality well, yeah, or previous it, knowledge. They already said that. This isn't going to have anything to do with any characters or any th- areas of Star Wars you've ever seen before. Yeah, that's what I just said, dum-dum. Maybe No, it's not. You're like, maybe it won't. No, I didn't say won't. I said maybe that's what he can bring to this new movie, to, to this new, new movie, this new trilogy, to give me the same like new excitement that Star Trek Beyond gave me. That it, it was something brand new, something exciting, something that doesn't play on like any previous knowledge or emotional attachment, and that's what I hope from this trilogy. Because everything else that Star Wars has done has been tied to something else. There's been some, you know, some connection to the original trilogy, to the prequels, something that I already know about, something that. I am going to break down. This doesn't match up with this. Mm-hmm. This timeline doesn't match up with this. If this is here, why isn't this character here? So I really hope Ryan Johnson is able to separate all of that. But doesn't that seem like a hard task? Because we've already had so much of the Star Wars timeline covered from prequels to the originals to the sequel trilogy. Well, isn't it? It's a big galaxy, right? Just yeah, a of, it, it. No, I don't think it seems all that crazy. A lot of, a lot of stuff can happen, and like I, I think that they might pull from some older stuff <clears throat> that is no longer canon and recanonize it. Maybe some stuff from the old Republic. Maybe you think some they'll stuff, go backwards, or you think they'll go forwards? I, th- I kind of think they'll go backwards, but like way backwards. Because isn't the old Republic based like thousands and thousands of years before any of the, um, any of the stuff from? Yeah, it is. There's from, uh, there's a New video Hope. game series, The Knights of the Old Republic, and yep. then before that, there was a comic book series called Tales of the Jedi, mm-hmm. which explored that era. And Tales of the Jedi I always felt was better than The Knights of the Old Republic because it felt appropriately ancient 
Mm-hmm. Um, I because I think this timeline is like thousands of years before Star Wars as we know it. Well, <clears throat> in the Tales of the Jedi, it felt like it was heavily removed from the same general time as uh, you know as our trilogy. But then when they like whatever it was a decade or two later when they did the Knights of the Old Republic stuff, it felt like it could have happened a week before mm-hmm. Star Wars. It just felt so, I don't know, like too new or something. Like yeah. it didn't have this quality of, um, as if like it was from a completely different time. Maybe that's unfair, but like, maybe I feel more strongly because of the difference between what Knights of the Old Republic was and Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. But if they did go backwards, I really hope they go Tales of the Jedi rather than, um, cause there's some cool shit. Not that they would ever even bring in like Naomi Sunrider or you Keldroma or any of those characters. I don't know any of those characters. They sound pretty bad. I don't ever want a character in a Star Wars, anything called go. Naomi Sunrise. Are you Sun, fucking kidding Sun me? Sunrider. Sunrider. You know, because Skywalker even, is like so much cooler. Matt, that's fair. But, <laughs> that's fair. That's legitimate. But, like, Skywalker comes from, you know, the almighty god of Star Wars everything. George Lucas. Yeah. Okay. So that makes it legit. <laughs> okay. But fucking Sunrider, that's just some, some pale wannabe George Lucas bullshit. Naomi Sunrider. She was a cool character, man. No. Her husband was a Jedi Knight and he was killed. She picked up his lightsaber and trained as a Jedi to like avenge him. And it was pretty good stuff. I think there's enough space for them to explore. Remember XR Kuhn? That that sounds problematic. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't don't remember XR Kuhn. XR Kuhn was like a fallen Jedi who got. You'll a Keldroma to turn. This was good shit. This Keldroma? was back. Keldroma. Oh, um, okay. U L I C, and then his last name was Q E L dash D R O M A. For you nerds out so there, Jesus. fucking dorky. Well, anyway, Paul. Um, here's the thing. Like, I know that you hate anything new Star Wars because it infringes on the the sanctity of the original trilogy for you. Cause it's just going to make it lesser or something. Um, or it'll live up to expectations that it just can't. Um, both true statements, right? But here's the thing. Anything that's tied to those original movies is kind of like what makes star Wars, star Wars. Like we don't know what Ryan Johnson's separate trilogy is even going to be like, if there's no links to, existing star wars is it really even star wars anymore or is it like how we said thor last week was just you know lightning guy from mars lightning guy from mars is it just spaceships in space i mean it may as well be star trek i think you can populate a universe and have it feel like star wars Mm -hmm. but like thor went out of its way to mock shit on and murder everything about thor that was Thor killing off its characters. Asgard, dead. Sif, non consequential. Guardian ha- or Warriors hair. three, death. <laughs> Fucking hair, death. Hair. Hammer, gone. Out. Every death. all of that. Shit. Odin, death. Yeah. So like all of the things that we knew about that character in his world 
were gone. But there are things that are transferable in Star Wars. The Force True. is a is a character True. that okay. could possibly be transferred. Um, just the Jedi. The feel of adventure. Uh, I think that is a character in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be different too. You know, there's a new trilogy. I'm positive John Williams won't be doing the music for it. Right. Um, you know, I know we've already gotten one Star Wars movie without his influence, but like, didn't sound as good as the other ones. The music wasn't as good. It's definitely the worst music out of eight Star Wars films. I mean, that's a problem. We're never going to get that again because of our ages when he was at his peak. Yeah, but any music composer that comes on to a Star Wars project is going to want to emulate John Williams. I think Giacchino tried to, but he's nobody's John Williams. So, like, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's certain characters that make Star Wars Star Wars. There's been carryover going backwards and going forwards. If you got yeah. rid of all the carryover from the original trilogy, yeah, but it might those not feel I, like Star the Wars. Original... I think that you can genesis jettison those characters, but keep themes and look and feel and still maintain Star Wars. The original trilogy music has been with us since childhood. Mm-hmm. It's been with everyone born after those movies mm-hmm. since their childhood. Right. It's always been there. It's like how we all know tons of Beatles music that was around for, you know, two decades before we were born. Okay. Like, we all know it. It's just been a part of our lives. Okay. So, look, since Star Wars started, that John music, that John music, that John Williams music. That's his new name. John, John music. music. John music. <laughs> well, he's that good. It's like John Legend, John music. <laughs> Like that John Williams music has been ingrained in our lives and everyone's lives since then. Star Wars has become such a big property, a big, you know, universal thing that it's become bigger than just the score to music. It is Star Wars. It's just as much Star Wars as Mark Hamill's face. So, like, I don't think anyone ever is going to write a Star Wars score that's as good because John Williams wrote what started all of it. And it's been around from the very beginning. Just like, you know, just like Beatles music. Right, but he's still making new Star Wars music to this day. And it is just as good as the music that he wrote back in the 70s. Like, that's been the one consistently good thing. You know, say what you will about the prequels or the sequel movies. John Williams, even if the style is a little bit different, the quality is just as good of the music. So, I mean, like, I feel like anything that he has created since the um, original trilogy it, it stacks up to, uh, to the original trilogy. And then now that we've had a little taste of what it could sound like without him doing it like it was a peculiar choice too to make a star wars movie with so few star wars themes throughout like the movie didn't start with like the the music Mm -hmm. and it's like you can't do that don't make a star wars movie without 
Star Wars music? Yeah. What are you crazy? So what do we what do we think? Can we do polynomics for the Yeah, let's do it. This is we can do what we want. Oh, okay. We don't have we don't have uh, shareholders to answer to. We don't have those those whip cracking DC editors that are gonna put Brian Michael Bendis in line. Don't make that joke, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't reference the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Superman would never make that quip. They're gonna give him some notes, <laughs> and for the first year, and he's gonna piss he's gonna abide. Right. He's gonna pull his dick out and pee right on it, and then smack no, that editor are, in the face with are, those with with a stack of money. And then he's going to shove it in his mouth and then light it on fire. No, we That's what Matt's, Bendis is going to do. We, we heard Matt's first person account of meeting Bendis tonight. He's a good dude. It At was, least for the first year, he's going to that was he's gonna abide by DC's rules. That's like, oh, I met Deion Sanders when he was in junior high. He was so humble. Like, I, it doesn't translate. Deion Sanders was never, never humble. humble. I know. Bad analogy. I know. So go ahead, Matt. Give us your polynomics for uh, for Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy. For Ryan, Ryan Johnson's, Johnson's the Star Johnson Wars trilogy. trilogy. Okay, my um, I'm gonna give it five hard dicks. My excitement one squirt is an eight. Eight squirt. An eight. After you just bash the shit out of this, I did bash the shit out of it. Bananas. <laughs> My expectation is a seven. I want these numbers to be higher. I want it to be a 10 and a 10. And then the trilogy comes out and guess what, Paul? It's a 10. I just don't know. I mean, there are fundamentals that make Star Wars Star Wars. And they clearly are, like you said, Ian jettisoning, jettisoning them right off the bat. That is how I said it, too. I stumbled all over it and then corrected it. It's a tough word. It is. I should have tried it. I think the difficulty was a 10. (laughs) Jettisoning? The difficulty for jettisoning? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Paul, do you have numbers? No. Matt, what were your numbers? Uh, Eight, Eight for excitement, seven for expectation. It's funny that we're all tripping over jettisoning because... You know, you said it wrong. Jet, yeah, jettisoning. That's what I said. You said jettisoning. It's jettisoning. I can't say if it I am anymore. We've said going, it fucked if up If I'm too going many times. to jettison so, uh, uh, a skate pod into space, it's jettisoning. Jettisoning. That's what I said like a minute ago when we no, all cracked no. up. You didn't say it quite like that, but no. let's let's continue. It's, it's well, it's funny that we're tripping over this because every time I hear the word jettison, I think of Star Wars because that's I where I too. learned that word from. <laughs> yeah, 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 Matt, what numbers did you give this? Holy shit! An in, in eight and a seven. An eight and a seven. Oh, pff, holy the Sydney shit! Sidney Crosby of. Um, let me let me just say something, Ian. I guarantee he's going to be on the other side of five with these numbers because it's Star Wars. You just watch. Go ahead. <laughs> Challenge accepted. I'm not going to give it a fucking seven and an eight. Other side of five. Ooh. Well, really? Um, well, yeah. Oh, oh, Matt's so wise. He's only done 
220 plus podcasts with me. You fucking know me, asshole. I know. You, you hate know on it until say. you see it. And You're then not you fucking like Nostradamus, it. douchebag. You know me. Already, like, Mark Hamill has come out and said, I don't like what Ryan Johnson is doing with Luke's character. But I'm he, getting a paycheck, so I have to. He do said it. he didn't at first, but then he came around and he did. Right. So, like, I'm already on the fence. Like, already. J.J. Abrams left us with a shit ton of questions and an incomplete movie in The Force Awakens. So Ryan Johnson has a lot already to answer for that isn't his problem. Plus, he's doing stuff that Luke Skywalker himself isn't all that sure of. And then they're going to give him brand new stuff? This yeah, I mean, movie, what- the general public hasn't even seen The Last Jedi that, That's the main thing about this, is that say what you will about the current stuff, but we're, we're talking about things that have no connection to any of the current star Wars at all. Right. So based on looper, <laughs> no, j- based on how good of a star Wars movie can he make? Right. Yeah. So like, like I'm, I'm basing this on all of the knowledge that I have about Ryan Johnson. Yeah, but you're, and the you're star distorting Wars it by saying Mark Hamill doesn't like it. That's not true. He said at first he was like, I don't know about that, but he's come around and I'm taking all of that into consideration. And if Ryan Johnson is going into the last Jedi Mm -hmm. with moves that Mark Hamill isn't all that comfortable with, then what, what's he going to do when he has full reign? Like, is that going to make me happy? If he can't make me happy with what he's going to do with Luke Skywalker, arguably my favorite hero of all time. Do you not like what he did with Luke Skywalker? We don't know yet. That's why this is... Is Is that why you hate it already? That's why this is crazy expectation excitement. So I can only do double fives. The Larry Murphy, the 55, the Nick Lidstrom, 5-5. Middle of the road. Owen and eight and a seven. What's that, Ian? It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Eight and a seven. The, it's the Mar- I, that's what I said before. But it's the, it's actually the Mark Bruner of <laughs> Mark Bruner. How dare you laugh? Bru- at Bruner starts with the B. Same as bonkers. <clears throat> um, I think I'm gonna come in in between both of you guys. You um, lucky Pierre. Swiss on seas. I'm go- I'm gonna do a seventy-seven. A Paul Coffee, if you will. You are amped. Look at your big, hard Johnson over there. I'm excited more for the possibility of... I I think that you can make cool Star Wars stories outside of the Skywalker clan, and I'm kind of... I agree. I'm kind of excited to see somebody do that. Disney doesn't throw around praise willy-nilly. They usually just fire you. They'll fucking fire you. They'll fire you a week after... You have a week left on your contract, and they will fire you and disgrace you. <laughs> you are a week. You, you are a week you. into your contract, <laughs> and, and they, they will fire they'll, you. They'll fire you a week in, a week left. They'll, it doesn't fucking matter. They'll treat you like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> right, right. They will. They will. Oh, finger fuck your young yeah. pussy, or or butthole. butthole. We're equal opportunity molestation by Disney. Man, we're gonna get sued. But anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot of space to make a really cool Star Wars story, not connected to anything, fresh new ideas. Um, but also, you got to temper it with, I haven't seen anything that this cat's fucking done. I don't know anything about The Last Jedi other than what we've seen and what we've heard. Trailers look good. They look good, but we've we've heard some... A lot of trailers look good. And then you watch the movie yeah. and you're like, oh, none of this is in the movie. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of... Don't shake your head, Rogue One. Uh, Paul, Paul, Paul. I, how many times do we have to tell you they finished the movie when those trailers came out? It was a different scenario than Rogue One. You know this. Or did you forget? But we don't know. Let's go back we don't to, know, Matt. No, there's, let, a lot of, no. there's a lot of shit that... Don't fucking roll your eyes and shake your head. You, there's a lot I of shit... I can't handle how dumb you're being. There's oh. a lot of shit that could have been left on the cutting room floor that they had finished shots for. They were able to put together in post, throw this up on a trailer. You're not in the fucking business, dummy. Neither are you. I want to leave your parts of the podcast on the cutting room yeah, floor. Yeah, I'm at least I being realistic. I can't handle how dumb you're I'm making a, I'm this I'm being podcast. realistic about what we're going to see. You're like... Oh, these guys are giving us the best of the best because these guys are the best and they know what's the best. I love that mocking ass tone. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Have a little, have a little realism in your reviews, pal. Don't have just a little go logic in, in yours, buddy. Don't just go in blind. Don't go in there with such red. You're seeing red. You hate it I'm so bad. I fucking love um, those red. But yeah, because I'm being realistic. Uh, Matt, ahead, if, ahead, if, if there's ahead, one Ian. if there's one scene in these trailers that's not in The Last Jedi, you allow me to punch you in the face. Go ahead, Ian. We're not making that bet. Let's make that bet right now. Neither uh, okay, of you will make I, it. What do I Because get I, I guarantee win? that there's something in those trailers that we're not going to see in well, the my, movie. My and point. then all of a sudden, my fucking dumb-dumbness isn't so dumb-dumb because I was, I was reasonable and I was right. You're, you're never you're neither of those, of those things. I am right, assholes. I was right about Ragnarok. They left a bunch of shit on the floor. No, 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 no. And that's my point. A lot, like, everything that was in the Ragnarok trailers, like, all that stuff was in the movie. It was just still a fucking not good movie. I mean, I was right about the movie, that they left oh. a lot of emotional beats. Our reviews are about you, would, you never said, based on the trailer, they're going to leave a lot of emotional beats on the floor. Go fuck yourself. I'm not talking about the... No, I'm not talking about the trailer. Uh, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant... I, yeah, I, yeah, I meant the movie. I agree Like, I was you. right about my review of the movie. Right. You, we not, were here no, together. According that's to you. I'm saying, but that's all I'm saying. I'm saying that the, Ragnarok is a, a, an example of... A trailer that had everything, everything in the trailer was in the movie. Oh, right? yeah. I wasn't talking about the Ragnarok trailer. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can also be right. let down by a movie. It, it doesn't have to be trailer misdirection. It, like, you can still have everything in the trailer. It can be in the film, and it still lets you down. Right. right. But Paul was saying that he didn't like the trailer because it might not be what ends up in the movie. So he was assuming that it wasn't. Okay. But like my logic is, cause I'm actually using it here, Paul <laughs> is that this movie has been done and in the can since spring the trailer came out in October. They're going to only put what is in the movie in that trailer. When the movie's been done for that long, they're not going to grab shit off the cutting room floor. Like, do you really think they're going to do that on something that has been done for months before that trailer came out? Yep. And I think said, if something it, is going to sell this better 
then they're going to fucking use it. Can, you can, said you re- it. can you give an example? Because I can give an example in The Force Awakens of something that was left on the cutting room floor, the um, Kylo Ren walking through the snow and sparking up his lightsaber. Right. Like, that moment, fuck, I, to this day, don't know why that's not in the fucking movie. But when did that trailer come out? It came out a year before the movie. 13 dropped. months before the movie, yes, right? correct. So the movie wasn't quite being done work being worked on right 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 but so this trailer comes out months after the movie is done done 100 percent. music's already been put to it's edited it's totally done they're only gonna put what's in that final version on the trailer so matt you don't think so you think hey guys movie's done all of the shit that is finished and theater ready trash it we're not going to use it for anything Throw it in the garbage. We don't need it anymore. But if Not there's for promotional materials, no. If there's a slick It'll bit on, that like, they're going to use for scene. oh, because because you're a Hollywood savant. You you work in the business. You're in the business. You fly out here every Monday night <laughs> to do this podcast. But you know what goes on out there on a day to day. You basis. can make the exact Hollywood argument, Matt, baby. <laughs> That's right. Hold on. Let me put my sunglasses on. <laughs> you um, do that too, you prick. <laughs> I don't have them with me, but Paul, you can make the argument the same way. Like, what are you basing your logic on? Like, you don't you don't know any better. I'm actually using some sound logic here, where so, you're saying, "No, Matt, you're your not." Your opinion because is you based just, on your hatred. Matt, That's you it. just said, That's it. "You just said my logic isn't any better than yours." But you're attacking me for having unsound logic. That is correct. But you just Ooh, said fuck. your logic you're is just back. as dumb. I, thought I didn't say that. You. I said your logic isn't any better than mine, which exactly. is certainly... That's what, right. Talking, We're both talking. dumb. Which it most certainly is not better than mine. However, mine is better than yours. Hmm? Exactly. Matt's a fucking dummy. Well, on that note... I'm not wrapping this one up. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, do it. Well, on that note, I think that's going to be the end of this podcast tonight. I'd like to thank everybody that came out, and listened, downloaded, subscribed, commented, tweeted, all of the above. Thank you so much. We're always so appreciative of the fan base that we have and the, the passion that you guys have for, you know, insulting us or telling us we're doing a good job. Both things are accepted. Uh, we always have a really fun time sitting here and doing the podcast for you guys and making this 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 great this great art that we can for you. Ian, say that word one more time. Podcast art. No, 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 the J word. Oh, I can't say that. I'm not going to. Uh, this has been jettisoning. Oh, I think so. Jettisoning. My name's Ian Sharpley. Paul McGinty. Matt Casal. See you next time.